This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 186. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Hey, Scott. It's always good to be back with you. What have you been working on lately? I know you've got the final book of the Little Yokai series coming out soon, right? Uh, yes, I do. In fact, uh, just a couple of days ago, I handed it off to my lovely and amazing ARC readers who have already given me lots of thumbs up uh, feedback. So very excited to make a final editing pass on it. It goes live on Friday, May 19th, so you can pre-order it now. And it is the last book in the series. And after year, literally years of writing this series and um, deciding that this was going to be the way to close things out for my protagonist, Keiko Miller, it's been pretty wild uh, and nerve wracking and nail biting to try and write a, a, not just a book that has a satisfying ending, but to have a book be a satisfying ending for a series, something I know you know a lot alike, a lot about. You've written so many series yourself. It's not, you know, it's it's not always easy to come up with a good ending to a, to a series like that that satisfies you and the readers and kind of closes out all the, the loose threads that are out there. So I, I commend you. I know you probably have done a fantastic job with it because you just have that great attention to story that I think people are going to really enjoy this ending. I hope so. It was a lot of it was a lot more fun to write than I thought, but it was just that the pressure of got it, got to deliver a really good book has been kind of intense. But like I said, early feedback is good, and I'm feeling good about the book, so we'll keep our fingers crossed and wait for the 19th and let the readers uh, uh, make their own opinions. Uh, what are you working on? What, what what projects are keeping you busy these days? Well, I just um, finished working on book two in a new urban fantasy series I have coming out that is kind of a combination of uh, Uncle Buck and Mr. Mom meets Supernatural. So if that gives you an idea of what kind of craziness I have in my brain sometimes... Um, and I'm going to be, I'll be starting on book three, actually, um, right about the time this podcast comes out. So I'm going to start working on book three in that series right away. And I'm going to be launching that in a Kickstarter in July. So you get all three books in one shot, um, from the Kickstarter campaign that's coming out. So I'm looking forward. I'll be announcing more about that in a future episode. So we'll definitely talk about that. Awesome. Can't wait. I actually have read, uh, you, you I think share with me last year Gosh, yeah the first one i wrote last um august so yeah i gave it to you last year to read yeah very excited about it loved it good i'm glad i you know i, I appreciate your your when you got back to me about the book and and told me that it was on target and read like a jamie davis book i was like okay that's good i guess that's a thing <laughs> <laughs> oh it's on brand it is on brand cool so why don't we get into this week's episode guest? Um, why don't you read Ben's bio and we can hear a little bit about who we're going to be talking to today. Would be, would love to. Here we go. Ben Zackheim's storytelling adventures started as a production assistant on the set of the film, a river runs through it. After forgetting to bring the crew's walkie talkies on the first day of shooting, losing Robert Redford's jacket on a freezing morning and asking Brad Pitt, if he was related to Paul Newman in front of Paul Newman Ben decided that film production didn't quite speak to him. Since then, no one else on the set, or since no one else on the set would speak to him either, he knew he needed to find work that required minimal human contact. Writing. 
That did the trick. Ben's Relics series has earned praise from readers and authors alike. Uh, let's get into our chat with Ben, which is coming up now. Ben Zakheim, it's great to have you here on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's um, kind of fun to have you here. We've been having all yeah. the duo authors in, and you're, it's your turn, so it's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually near the, the end with the Zakheim, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm used to waiting. Uh, it's good to be. Here. Did they Thank do it alphabetically? Me. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm I'm by release. I always choose later release dates. The later, uh, the better. There you go. I think, I think like only two of the authors chose later dates. Yeah, yeah, you you were you were kind of towards the end from the beginning. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I made it. It's ready. Can't wait. Yeah, Can't wait. It's gonna. It's it's uh, this Friday, May fifth. It's coming Sweet. up. Cinco yep. de Mayo. We're gonna have a big party Good for enough. that. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol is no. One of us will be drinking alcohol. <laughs> At least. At least. <laughs> okay, two of us. <laughs> We're, what, for those of you that are listening, we're talking about the Duo Readers Group, the, the Delta Underground Operatives Readers Facebook group. We'll be doing a live t- um, launch party at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So you can find that group on Facebook, join the group, and come join the fun. We'll have all the all, all most of the Duo authors, if not all the Duo authors there, um, and we'll be sharing Mad Libs and ga- other party games and having a great old time. So come come out. Um, Might be sombreros. We'll some, see sombreros, all kinds of things. Margaritas, maybe, we don't know. Maybe uh-huh. stormtrooper helmet. We'll see. We'll ah, see. That's right. That would be nice. So Ben, you're really an accomplished author. We were talking before we got started about all the different books and genres you've read, um, written in. Um, I, I'm thinking of like urban fantasy wise, you know, like the Kane Arkwright series. Um, mm-hmm. When you talk to a new reader, you meet somebody at a con or you know talking online with someone, how do you describe your books to a new reader? Uh, um, well, the Relic series, the Kane Arkwright series, um, I, it's usually enough for me to say, if you're a fan of Indiana Jones and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, then you're my people, because that's what the series, really the inspiration for it was. Um, it's uh, it's about Kane Arkwright, who's an archaeologist um, slash sharpshooter. Uh, it's got an unbelievable aim an unbelievable knowledge of relics. And he and his partner, Rebel, uh, travel the world uh, trying to find uh, magic, powerful relics from the past. And that include anything from, you know, Excalibur to, um, you know, a mask from, uh, you know, Japan that holds holds great powers. And um, so they they need to get to the relics before uh, the bad guys who are uh, vampires. And uh, they have one master... Uh, of them all, who I won't give away, but um, let's just say Egypt and Egyptian lore gets gets into the gets into the mix. So uh, yeah, it's just a lot. It's a lot of fun. I had, a, I had a lot of fun writing the first ten books, and now I'm kind of chewing on what comes next. Like, what do I want these? To, what do I want these people to do next? Because it was pretty epic. So the, the world was basically destroyed. Um, now it's back, but what do they do to top that? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how you top that. <laughs> well, you, Destroy you, do the, Buffy, you do what Buffy did. You save the world again. Again, yeah, exactly. Or it was all a dream, or you know something. <laughs> Multiverse. <laughs> Multiverse, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we we were talking before we hit record, and you talked about kind of having come from uh, a more of a YA background. 
mm-hmm. and more mm-hmm. recently diving into urban fantasy. Yeah. What was it about urban fantasy that appealed to you uh, as a storyteller that made you want to try yeah. that genre out? And clearly it's working for you. What was yeah. the draw? What was the appeal? Um, I think it was um, I, the first, the, the young adult fantasy that I wrote. Um, I wrote only one book, a big book, but only one. It took me nine years to write it. Uh, it was called The Camelot Kids. Um, and after nine years of writing it, um, uh, it was just enough. I was I was kind of sick of it. And I was kind of sick of myself, frankly, because I wanted to I wanted to move faster. I had started writing the book because I wanted to get in on the Kindle. This was way back in 2010, I think. And the Kindle was pretty new at the time. Um, and I was just going so slow um, that it kind of it, it bugged me. But when it did finally release it, I, it was, you know, wonderful book. I love it dearly. I'm going to do the sequel one day. Um, I was ready for something that was just more of a page turner, uh, not only for the reader, but for the, for me, for the writer. I really wanted to go at it and and really um, uh, not worry about the blank page and just write a real good story. And I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine who, because I was kind of discouraged after the Camelot kids, because I was like, do I take another nine years for me to write the next book? And he kind of tapped into, he asked me the right questions. And uh, he said, you know, who are your two favorite characters? And the first two that came up were Indiana Jones and um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And um, he said, well, there you go. Uh, how would you mix those two together? And I was like, ooh, okay, yeah, that works. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I why I wanted to to write specifically those two characters. So it started with me wanting to write the characters. And then uh, urban fantasy kind of fell into place just because of those characters, you know, for all intents and purposes, they fit perfectly in the genre. Um, so it was a matter of creating the rules from then from then on, the rules of the magic and the rules of the world, uh, um, uh, and you know, kind of going from there, which I found a lot of fun as well. Uh, that was new. That was new to me. I didn't I had not had to do that before. So yeah, and and within I think the first book I wrote in about two weeks, it was just it just came out um uh really quickly and and over the last over the next four years i wrote the other uh the other nine books that's more my pace now that's that's great and and i i completely understand the idea of letting the story write you almost Mm -hmm. i think when you can find that groove it it, the page does kind of fill itself to a certain extent Um, it really does yeah and and uh that's one of the things that i think is interesting because the 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 idea, the premise behind the Delta Underground operatives was something that really appealed to me because it felt like something that would write itself for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that the idea of two um, paired assassins. So let me read the uh, duo intro and um, mm-hmm. then we'll um, kind of jump into talking a little bit about your project and, and how mm-hmm. you got into how you fell into this project with the rest of us. Um, <laughs> Stumbled backwards, twirling. <laughs> <laughs> trusting <laughs> trust fall <laughs> uh, the the agents of the delta underground operatives have one critical mission keep magic secret humans are not ready to know that the creatures from their dreams are real they're even less prepared to fight the monsters from their nightmares when the gods were killed alder shaw the sole surviving demigod established duo to protect the status quo solve the mystery of the gods fates and safeguard the puddle the last reservoir of divine magic. 
Aided by twin witches, Maven and Moxie, Shaw paired up with beings of magic who resonated with each other. In tandem with the puddle, these individuals now enjoy access to a second set of abilities, making them tough to beat. These beings are the agents of Duo. So, Ben, mm-hmm. what was it about this universe that attracted you when you were first approached about it? How did that process go? Yeah, uh, Nicole Grotopaz approached me about it. Her angle with me, it would be interesting to see how many angles were, were taken between Kimbra and Nicole in pitching the series. But the angle with me was that she enjoyed the way uh, I wrote female characters. Um and that she thought the um, the idea of having a duo where there's um, tension, uh, both you know positive and negative, both romantic and professional and personal, um, uh, and but where the woman uh, it wasn't all about kind of making something happen. It, it, there could be kind of that burn. There could be that X Files, Sculler and uh, Scully and Mulder. Uh, kind of dynamic um and that the woman would be uh, for all intents and purposes completely equal um you wouldn't really get the sense that there was any kind of like i'm gonna you know fill in where you're weak and you'll fill in wherever where i'm weak i wanted to go past that and she thought that um that that's you know what Kane and rebel are for the relic series and so that's what gave me like it was very easy to come up with the characters um, cause I did, I made some decisions with, uh, with Relic that I w- wished I could do something else. And so that's what uh, my two characters are. And so their, their names are, are Ichabod and, and Amelia. Uh, so, and it's, it's, a it, it was, it was a lot, I, I tackled, I, once I got the characters down, I just, it was super easy. Uh, like you were saying before, they just wrote themselves. So I was, it was an easy entrance, an easy entry, but, um, of course, my writing process is a little bit tough. I have to, I have to beat around the bush and question myself until I'm on the third plot. And, um, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, with, without giving any spoilers, can you tell us a little bit about what Unholy Deuce is about? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The I, I guess I'll talk about what the about the the title because a lot of people are like, you know, what a deuce is, right? Ben, you know. <laughs> Yes, I've known from the beginning. That's, that's that's one of the one of the things in the story. Um, the the uh, the it's I'll, I'll, I can't talk about the plot without talking about the characters. The characters themselves. Um, Amelia is a sorceress um, uh, assassin, um, specializing in demons. Um, she has uh, uh, an amazing um, proclivity, an amazing ability to take out demons in any number of creative, bloody, fiery ways. Um, and uh, uh, Ichabod is a vampire exorcist. So he was actually, when he was uh, mortal, he was a priest in 1850. He was a cowboy, basically. Um, he, that's what he did. He he would ride, uh, he, he'd drive cow, uh, cattle to to the market. And he had a, uh, uh, he was a church, he was a, pre- a preacher, a priest, sorry, as well. So he had a little church. That almost nobody attended. Um, so um, he's a vampire exorcist, you know, ex-priest um, who is amazing at not only tracking down demons but also exercising them. So their their powers do work really well together to you know to take out demons because one can sense them and the other one can take them out. Um, but the story itself is, it revolves around um, 
uh, a missing girl, a girl who's been possessed by a demon who I'm going to try not to give away who it is. Um, and uh, the demon who's possessing, who's possessed her um, is, tr- is, is trying to get a, is trying to get her to answer a riddle. Uh, the girl is very talented in numerology. Um, she's an orphan. She's on the streets. He possesses, the demon possesses her. And he's trying to get, he's trying to kind of ride the paths that numerology creates for, uh, for magic and for um, uh, the supernatural. And, and he's very good at because he's an ancient um, demon. Um, and he's figured it's like the easiest way for him to not only possess people, but also to get what he wants from them, his numerology, the numbers. And she's a genius at it. Um, so he's using her to kind of decipher something and waiting for that solution to come up so that he can get what he wants. And for him, it's for for the demon, it's a love story as well, um, because what I didn't say about um, Amelia, the uh, sorceress assassin who's amazing at killing demons, is that she herself is possessed. Um, it's a secret for most of her career, but it comes out uh, during the ceremony where they bond in the puddle. Uh, that she actually has a demon inside her. Now she knows it's there and she controls it by meditating three times a day. Uh, that's the way she ke- kind of keeps control of it. Um, but uh, of course, it's a demon inside her. So it it, it causes mischief and uh, things of that nature. And that demon inside of her uh, has a connection with the story as well, with the missing girl, the other demon. Um, so it's a, it's a, I guess you could say it's a love story but it's really a twisted, <laughs> it's a really twisted one a with twisted demon, demon hordes and, uh, and uh, oh, there's a countdown timer. So there's 40 hours to get everything done. I wanted to try that out because I'd never done it before, but 40 hours from the moment of possession, because there was also a lot of numbers involved, a lot of math. I, I had to do math, which sucked, but uh, 40 hours after the possession is when this certain um, event is going to happen that uh, our, our heroes have to stop. That's that's pretty amazing, and and I love the idea of having that countdown clock, and you know, yeah. you have to, you have a finite amount of time to solve what's going to happen. That, that yeah. you have no no control over that. So yeah, it gives you. I had a lot of fun with that. A lot of urgency. Lot. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was hard. It was really hard, especially because she had to. She has to meditate three times a day for exactly one hour. So she's out of commission for three hours a day to to refresh herself and to keep control of the demon. And he can't work during the day. So he's doing some of the stuff on his own. She's doing some of the stuff, uh, stakeouts on her own. Um, And I had to kind of figure out, okay, 40 hours from the moment of possession, um, uh, you know, counting down. He had it has to be nighttime when this happens. It has to be daytime when this happens. <laughs> she's oh shoot, she's meditating. She's got okay, so he's can, he can do this, but maybe he'll do it later. So uh, they, they they helped me get through it though. The the characters they were like you know dude just you know do it later you know. So it was it was it was kind of a collaborative effort. The 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 the, the characters helped me work it all out. So Amelia and Ichabod sound like a an interesting duo pair because uh-huh. they, you know, they, 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 they mesh well together, but yet there's also, they, there's some things that, that they can't do at, at certain times or because of certain yeah. problems they have. Um, but yeah. I'm curious, you know, if for you personally, what would it be like if, if you or somebody else were to meet them in a bar, you know, just kind of run into them mm-hmm. uh, with who would be the one that would be friendly? Who would be the one that would be standoffish? You know, is Either- there, Neither would be particularly friendly. 
not because they're not friendly, quote unquote, people in Nicobod's case, um, but because they this they're they're so haunted by their pasts. They're so um, who they were and how they became what they were is so much a part of who they are now that they, when they're in a bar, they're there for a drink. They're there for, uh, you know, to kind of drown that out a little bit. And they're not going to find any comfort in other people. That's just not the way they are, which was one of the interesting, because that's really the only way they're really similar. There's a whole bunch of other ways that they're not, um, including worldview, um, uh, uh, you know, sense of humor, um, which they do have when they get to know each other. Um, uh, but I would say the the one that Alder went to, the boss man, uh, he he um, he figured out. He went to um, Amelia, and he said it's going to be on you to break the ice because the vampire is not going to do it. You know, he's he's uh, he's been avoiding being a, having a partner for years. He's been doing contract work. We had our eyes on him, but he he's not going to do the partner thing. So you know, now we need him um, because in this particular case, in the story itself, the. The kind of A-level uh, demon assassins um, were uh, uh, the, the the main guy was killed, um, so the, the uh, Emilia and Ichabod have to take over um, as a, as a new partnership to because they have, they're so well positioned to take out the um, take out demons. Um, but Alder goes to her and says, "You're going to have to do this because he's not gonna, he won't talk to you." <laughs> so I would say the answer the, that's a long way to answer is probably Amelia, but you have a lot of work to do to get to know her. And once you do, she's super, super sweet, kind person, very sensitive, um, but tough, tough as nails and, you know, a killer, basically. Like, she has no problem killing demons, so you better not have any. Uh, you can have skeletons in your closet, but no demons. I, I, that's crazy. That's awesome. And yeah. I love I love hearing about, I just love hearing you describe your characters because it tells me how intimately you know them. And the yeah. fact that you're letting a lot of their uh, background, history, worldviews drive their actions and inform their actions, which is great storytelling. Yeah, um, I'm curious, since you did mention that this book was a little different from some of the mm -hmm. things you've done in the past, you were kind of trying some new things. Was your process for creating the characters for the duo book different from your previous books? And if so, how? It wasn't different, very different from relic uh relic was um you know what what kind of characters do you love um put them together um and i think after doing 10 of those 10 books um i i found little wrinkle little different little things i would have liked to have done that but i couldn't um with kane and rebel uh kane and rebel so i it was that was pretty easy to to come up with them i mean i don't think i the first thing i put down on paper which was in that excel spreadsheet paper quote unquote the first thing I put down is what ended up being the case. They just basically came out, um, which is always a good, that was one of the reasons why I was excited about getting started on and, and doing this project is that that was so easy. I was late to the game. Nicole was like, will you please get those characters down in the Excel spreadsheet so everybody can know what you're writing? And, um, but I, 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 when I did, it was just like, okay, this is who they are. Um, and I just love the idea of having, um, I always try to play around with something that's like I would I just look forward to writing it. Um and and having him he's he dressed, I didn't mention he dresses as a cowboy. Like he's he's a cowboy. He's a, you know, he's in modern New York walking around in his, you know, cowboy hat and cowboy boots and and uh, uh, a magically hidden uh, revolver. Um so he's he's and you know, he's full on kind of um and that, but I thought that would be fun. I thought that would be fun to write. 
So, and it was, it has been. Yeah. And folks can definitely check, they can check that out on the cover because that definitely comes through in the cover design that you have. The Ichabod definitely looks like a cowboy in the cover. So (laughs) that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And that's a little embarrassing for Amelia, but (laughs) that comes up quite a few. How do I handle this? What do I do with this guy? Jeez. You know? Um, So, but then the moment she's comfortable with him walking through the door at a cafe, you know, at a coffee shop or a diner, um, and she has to like sit across from the from the cowboy. The moment she can do that with without being uncomfortable is is the moment uh, they they can probably be friends. But that takes a lot because he's he's full full hog cowboy. Wow, you know the loner, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially after he turned, you know, he was he he's had uh, over the course of his life he's had to, um, four close contacts for close friends uh that's and he's been alive for 227 years he can't actually remember it was either 226 or 227 but he kind of lost a year somewhere he can't the well, same way we don't remember if it's tuesday or wednesday i figure that people who live for a long time probably miss a year here or there like uh was it eight? i was born then or then i don't remember um so he's gone through you know four funerals and he's faked four of his funerals and um he's kind of sick of 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 that. And so he's, he's a loner. Definitely. What about your, your villain, this demon that's, that's inhabiting someone, um, you know, that's possessing someone. Did you, did you have any trouble coming up with the motivation for them? You talked a little bit about the, the, the numerology aspect of it and the fact that you uh-huh. had to do the dreaded math, which, which would drive yeah. me insane too. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how, how did that process go? Was that as easy as coming up with Amelia Nicobod? Um, no, no, it wasn't. I mean, I, um, I think it was hard from the beginning just because the, the the victim is a kid. So that was really hard to, to write. I'm sure it'll be hard to read, which, which might make it, you know, tough to sell this book, but I, you know, I've always had a hard time with, you know, children in danger kind of stories, but, um, I really felt it was needed in this particular, in uh, this particular story. Um, there was, um, uh, I did have Clarissa, who's the name of the kid who gets possessed. She's very much in my mind. She's very much in somebody who's I've wanted to write ever since I wrote a, a middle grade uh, mystery um, series called Shirley Link. Um, and she's very similar to Shirley Link with some uh, some darker parts, which, again, was something that I've wanted to write for a while. So um, it wasn't easy because I had to have her suffer. <laughs> and it, it was it's the. I mean, there's a lot of humor in it. I think there's a lot more humor and and um, heartwarming things in the book than there are scary, dark things. But that stuff was really hard to write. Um, she is actually does have to suffer to 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 you know kind of get to her own end of her own personal journey. Um, so yeah, the villain was tough. Um, I think he'll be somebody that people uh, recognize when they see him, and I'm hoping it'll be a surprise though, because it's a it, it, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We've had, uh, <laughs> yes, we will. Um, <laughs> we've had several duo authors on the podcast over the past several months. And one of the questions we always ask is, what has it been like to work in a shared world? And what has it been like to collaborate with fellow authors? Um, these kind yeah. of shared world collaborative things can go well mm-hmm. or not. And so, uh, you know, yeah. readers want to know, Ben, give us yeah. the honest answer. <laughs> 
the honest answer is I'm the problem. Um, <laughs> everybody in this group is amazing. Like, like they're present, they're um, communicative. Uh, they're the most, I don't think any of us, maybe there are some extroverts in this group, but um, certainly when we're all together, it brings out the extrovert in us, except for me. Like, that's the weird thing. I'm like, why? Why? So I, it's been tough on the trying, make you know, wanting to uh, be more, uh, participating more in some of the minutia of things. The So in other words, another way to put that is I came into this where with a group of people who had their crap together so well that it was super easy and you guys all made it super a lot are making it a lot of fun um the you know the world had been created by um you know Kimbra and Nicole and and but then the riffing that had gone on since in this document that we share or documents that we share was amazing it was in, it was like reading a story like reading through people's notes about you know how they handled midnight crossings or um, you know, but, oh, I put a store here. Or there's a pet, or the, this guard here, or a pet there. It was just, it was. It's been a lot of fun to to kind of uh, get inspiration from people's um, ideas, but also just kind of the, all of your riffs, right? And all the kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if um, that we actually had down in documents? So um, it and it's been it's been for me super easy. Again, again, maybe because I came in you know, where things have been developed so well already. Um, uh, uh, it's been super easy for me to kind of take advantage of all of the work that had been done. And it's been a lot of fun, I think, because everybody's on the same page as far as, you know, how fun it is, um, how simple the premise is, um, uh, which is really what I think will resonate with people ultimately with readers, is that the premise is simple, but the stories that can come from it are, you know, 10 different people's versions of uh, playing around with those simple rules, so I've ha I've been having a great time um, on 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 this one. I, I you know I haven't committed to more than one book, but um, definitely leaning towards number two, uh, but doing a book two. The unholy quattro, or whatever you're going to call it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've had a similar experience. It's really been a lot of fun, kind of getting that creative energy from the other members of the team and mm -hmm. drawing upon that for myself to, to look at all the things that everyone else has come up with. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeding. I I'd had so much of my story written that I, I had already, I had a lot of it down before a lot of this other things had been written into the Canon document. So I don't have a lot of shared stuff for book one, but my book two is going to really draw upon uh, I already know they're going to be going to Midnight Crossings and, and yes, yes, visiting exactly. some of the people. I, I heard, yeah, I heard you were doing a book too. That's really good news. Yeah. And yes, Midnight Crossings is my, um, it's like my favorite detail of the whole of the whole series. Like I could see that being, and I know Scott, that was you know from your uh, blossom from your brain. Um, I just have, I had so much fun with that. So sorry, Jamie, I interrupted. No, no, I, I was, that's what I kind of was asking was, you know, what was it about, you know, what, what are the, which of those things kind of left mm -hmm. out at you and really yeah. drew you into writing it into your story? Yeah, I think, well, you know, it certainly started with the ideas that Kimber and, and Nicole came up with. Those are awesome ideas and played right into the kind of characters I like and the kind of stories with simple rules uh, to follow that I like. 
um, when I read about Midnight Crossing um, in in the document, in the world document, uh, I, that's what, I mean, immediately the story started to come together. I, not only was it a great way for the characters to kind of collect thoughts, that's how I that's how I used Midnight Crossings. That's how the characters used Midnight Crossings. Is it was a place to, you know, find clues definitely, but it was a like there's the bar in Midnight Crossings is is Ichabod's home or his office. Sorry, not his not his home. It's his office, um, and uh, it's a really important part of his life. And so I I read, I read Midnight Crossings as a place just to make it clear to to the listeners that that's a you know, it's this kind of alternate realm, uh, all eternal night, which is perfect for Ichabod, you know, the vampire. Um, uh, and uh, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, un, um, what would you call it, unregulated things happen there. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's like, you know, to me, I kind of picture, a, you know, a little Italy or a Chinatown or, a, you know, some, some kind of like neighborhood that, that you can, you can just, things are just done differently and it's filled with supernatural beings and you can only get there uh, at midnight oh i was thinking maybe it would be a good idea because we we were talking about midnight crossings just at the last team meeting and when i think it'd be cool to have a noon a noon crossings so there was something like and, and unless it's already been done but um you know where only at noon can you and it's an eternal day there and it could be it's, kind it, of a, and it's like candy land right it's, it's like candy opposite. exactly yeah. right oh my god that'd be great yes like fairyland <laughs> you know fairyland. Or so you know it's something way over the top lollipop <laughs> trees and all this yeah, it's like it's like you go to midnight crossings it's kind of like it's just, you know it's new york it's you know, Tokyo, it's got a little bit of this, a little bit of, you know, Hogwarts, whatever. I mean, it's got a lot of styles to it, but it seems to me missing a little bit of color. And then you go to, you go to noon crossings and it's like pinks and purples and blues <laughs> and greens. And <laughs> well, there you go. This is how, this Pixies. is a perfect example of how the collaborative mind works when you uh-huh, get a bunch uh-huh. of authors together. So I think that's exactly. Uh, yeah, so if we you do, and I'll have to riff on that and come up with a reason to visit Noon Crossings. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. So you're, I'm stealing your idea, Scott. We're going to riff. Oh, no, there's no stealing. Actually, uh, theft is a form of uh, flattery. So yes, I, I have exactly. I have loved seeing, you know, to your point earlier, Ben, I've loved seeing everybody take their own uh, approach with Midnight Crossings because mm-hmm. um, we're bringing our own voices and our own authorial tones and styles to this shared world, the same world. Yeah. It's all going to be different. It's a, it's a slightly different take on the same setting, which I think is great for readers. And yeah. I think it's fun and inspirational for the other authors and duo. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious in terms of uh, given this is a little bit of a departure from your Kane Arkwright series and, and mm-hmm. definitely from uh, Camelot kids. Yeah. Um, how how would you pitch your duo book to your existing fans? Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> oh boy, I think it would probably be like it's Kane and Rebel. Uh, it's it's like, just like Kane and Rebel, except they're much hotter for each other much sooner. <laughs> <laughs> or something along those lines. I think one of the things that my readers are used to is that slow burn. Um, uh, my slow burn was like book 10 out of 10, like, you know, and that, and even then there were people there, you know, it was like, was there something happening or not that I literally got that question after book 10 came out. 
is there something did they get together or way i was like well maybe we'll find out in book one of the next uh series um but in this one and not to say that there's any kind of connection but in this one um the the i think the emotions are more real uh than they were in in relic uh, relic it was kind of the romance or not the romance but the that 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 heat between characters was um a little bit two dimensional for about four books um if i could go back and change anything in the first four books of relic it would be to make the connection between them a little bit more um real a little bit more textured um and i think that is what uh, unholy deuce has um they they definitely do not like they don't they hate each other at first in fact, the first thing that happens is they get in a in a pretty nasty fight, uh, bar fight. But uh, with with patience and with Alder's guidance, uh, they the the the, uh, the the ice is broken, and from that moment they are kind of forced. But there is also this connection that they have um, that I think shows itself in book one as opposed to book five or six, and with resolution at ten. Yeah, the slow burn is is I'm actually writing a six book slow burn right now, so um, I, I get yeah. that it, it's it's challenging to do it. That, it to is make challenging it, to make it last and be, you know, something that people want to keep finding out more about, right? So yeah, especially as men, I think I, we find it. Or as a man, I find it challenging. It's just like go for it, man, just go for it, moron. <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting for? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. great. Well, you yeah. know, speaking of go for it, let's go for it. We we are we have reached the no wrong answers rapid fire questions section of the podcast. We've okay, got let me take another another sip of wine. Take another <laughs> sip of wine and uh, get prepared. We got five rapid fire questions. There are literally no wrong answers. Just uh, just shoot from the hip. Whatever you get, um, whatever pops into your head. Are you ready? Is it a super? Is it a rapid fire answer or a rapid fire questions? Well, if you so take, if you need to take time to answer, that's okay. Okay. But okay. but I mean, we're hoping I'll that maybe the answer short. will just pop into your head. So okay, we'll right. see. Part of this is okay. our questions have to be engaging, so we'll see if that that's works. True. That's true. The pressure's on you then. Yes, it is. Proceed. Uh, proceed. All right, here we go. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Okay. Oxford comma. The foundation of civilized punctuation or the literary equivalent of a sixth toe? Optional. <laughs> so I guess closer, closer <laughs> to the sixth toe. <laughs> least, Use it when it, yeah, least favorite soda. Uh, why was I about to say Pabst? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that says more about Pabst Blue you. Ribbon. <laughs> no wrong answers. In, in our, no wrong answers. That was. That was soda when I was growing up. Okay. Um, least favorite soda, probably Tab, if that's still around even. I don't know. Uh, vacation at the beach or vacation in the mountains? Mountains. Yeah, that's easy. That water freaks me out ever since I saw Jaws. Favorite childhood TV show? Favorite uh, child TV show was, oh, God, I, I'm, does Miami Vice count? I guess it does since childhood. Kind of. No wrong answers. How many times? No, my, no wrong answers. No wrong Miami Vice. That was the one I got on the call with friends afterwards. So every Thursday night, get on the call and be like, was that amazing? Oh, my God. What kind of gun was that? That was incredible. Did you see Phil Collins? Oh, my God. And you know what the song's about, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, so. and and my favorite was when Glenn Fry was in for that one, couple episodes. Once, oh yeah, that was good. That was a yeah. great one. That was a good. That was a. That good was, there was a couple. One. He wasn't just on one, was he? He was, he was in. He was in a couple episodes. He was in there for like one yeah, of the seasons yeah. for on off and on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, listen, we have had an absolute blast, Ben. Thanks so much yes. for taking time out of your day. We know you got a lot of writing to do and we're excited about the launch of Unholy Deuce, which is coming out this Friday, May 5th. Yeah. Yeah. Go read it. Um, it's, there's a reason for that really weird title and it's, it's related to language, numerology, the characters themselves. It's pretty, it's a pretty, I think a, a pretty satisfying resolution to find out what unholy deuce is. So, so you can go to benzakheim.com and the top button on the page is uh, lets you sign up for a free uh, relic story uh, and, um, and sign up for the newsletter. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again. And Thank see you. you Friday for the duo launch party. Yeah, you, you will indeed. Or you'll see like half of me because I'll be lilting off and <laughs> drinking my margarita most of the time. But yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks again. Well, you know, Ben is so much fun to chat with. That That's probably one of our longer episodes, I think. I can't wait to read Unholy Deuce, the next book in the Duo universe. It'll be out soon after the release of this podcast episode, and we'll have links to his books and everything we talked about in the show notes over at jamiedavisbooks.com. Just look for the podcast tab at the top of the page, or there's also a graphical link on the right-hand side. So, Scott, um, why don't you share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're going have going on right now? As super easy, scottiswriting.com is my website and probably the best place to start. And my social media platforms are all Scott is writing. How about you? Well, you can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And make sure you check out the podcast, subscribe to the show at jamiedavisbooks.com and um, click on that podcast tab at the top of the page. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker, telling you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. 